to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Market a Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local producers to reach their fullest potential. For over 40 years, Market of Choice has been supporting our local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs. We believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we're proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores, and the majority of our purchases support our local, robust, regional food system. Thanks, Marketed Choice. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journey of female food startup businesses, and we are glad you have joined us live today. We're honoring our social distancing and each calling in for their show. As a live radio show, we think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope and inspiration for all our food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Massoni of Oregon State University. Um, part of food science and technology and the College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center. <laughs> I think every week your title gets longer and more beautiful. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. Okay, here's some food news for you. I didn't think about it, but it's kind of interesting. The Department of Food Science in Corvallis is the home of the Food Innovation Center and they're talking about rebranding. And so they've been looking across all the social media platforms and noticing that people at the Food Innovation Center and the Seafood School aren't talking about how we're part of food science. So that's why I added the food science part. Oh, okay. <laughs> and last week you were you were not part of the show because you were on a call with the college, which was very important. You had um, important work to do, so That's we missed right. you last week. Yeah, um, when the dean calls and wants you to be like on a committee, you can't say no. No, you got to just do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we missed you last week, but we had the um, farm punk salads on, and they Wasn't were really. Great? Yeah, they were really fun. And afterwards, I didn't know, I knew about them because I met them at, at an event one time only. So I knew they made salad dressing. But after the show, I signed up for their salad CSA. And I'm what? really excited about it. So they drop um, salad and salad dressing to your door every week through Beeline. So oh. I signed up and I'm super excited. That's cool. Yeah. I'm glad that they were guests last week. It was an awesome new find for me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I have, so you gave one little piece of food news. I have one other piece of food news I wanted to tell people about. It's an event happening. So um, Angela Vineyards, which is a, a winery that's out in um, uh, Carlton, they are doing some wine tastings and they partnered with local chefs. So you go out in the middle of their vineyard and you're outside. It's social distance. They have this really cool Airstream trailer set up and they bring you um, some tasting snacks from uh, local chefs. And then they're also doing some classes out there. And um, Elsie, one of our 
past guests from Creole Me Up. She's going to do a cooking class out there. And they're also having the chef from Guerrero do a cooking class. And then they're doing, an artist is coming out and doing like um, a dyeing, like indigo ice dyeing class. So if anybody wants to check out those things, I went out and did one of them. It's very fun, very safe. They do such a good job of keeping things nice and clean and you're out in this beautiful setting. So um, people should check that out. You can just go to Angela Vineyards and look up their events. That's great. Yeah. And I highly recommend it. Uh, And if you're a food entrepreneur and have a press release or any fun things for us to announce, you can submit those at startupradionetwork.com. We can help spread the word about your events, new products, and awards. And we are not alone today. We have a special guest. Yes. We are joined by Lisa Duanpumi. And I hope I said that right. <laughs> I pra- you got I it. Pra- <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've met Lisa many times, but I've never had to say her last name before. So this is a first. <laughs> and it's a beautiful name. So Lisa and her family um, run Sao Noi. And hopefully I said that right. Did I say it right? You did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, um, they make these beautiful chili oils and peanut sauces here in the Pacific Northwest. So welcome, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you, Sarahs, for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. We're so <laughs> glad you could join us. So we want our listeners to be able to follow along on your journey. So what's your social media info for them? Okay, so we're very active on Instagram. Um you can find us at uh, Sao Noi PDX. And uh, we sync everything from there into our Facebook. So we're on Facebook as well. Perfect. And then from there, I was checking out all your stuff to because um, I'll link it up um, to ours. But uh, from there, it's really easy to get to your website too because you have it on both of those platforms. So I think people should pretty easily be able to find you, but we'll link you on our pages as well. Absolutely. Uh, Well, we want our listeners to hear about all the things that you do. So why don't you start by talking about your products that you make? Yeah, so um, we have three different kinds of chili oils and a peanut sauce. So our sauces are all um, Southeast Asian inspired, uh, specifically Lao and Thai. So the chili oils are more um, Lao inspired. Our family's from Laos. And the peanut sauce is Thai-inspired. That's actually my dad's recipe. But um, yeah, the chili oils are all made with Thai peppers. We have an original flavor, which has garlic and onions. Uh, Next up is our lemongrass and our ginger, which is the spiciest. Cool. Yeah. And then um, all of our sauces are vegan, all natural, and gluten-free. Perfect. So... Those sauces are traditionally a fresh sauce, but you have them, you've created them so they're shelf stable, right? Yes. So the chili oils are shelf stable. Uh, The peanut sauce is um, chilled or refrigerated. And um, it's actually interesting. So I remember I came to, my mom and I came to Sarah Masoni and uh, we consulted with you about our peanut sauce because we weren't sure about like what to do with that. There were so many like, peanut sauces on the shelf already but yes I think we are probably one of the first ones to have them um in the cooler and was that good yeah Yeah. it's actually working out very well so thank you (laughs) I'm guessing I told you don't put it on the shelf did I tell you that (laughs) yeah (laughs) I was like probably I said you're gonna have to add so much acid to this it's not gonna taste like you want it to right Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You didn't want to th- add too much. I think mm-hmm. Lisa, that's where I met you as well was, um, it might've been one of your first events. It was at the, um, the food innovation center, bring your product to market like a few years ago. Uh, was that, was that one of your first events? Oh, actually I believe it was that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like two or three years ago already. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, we met Dirk as well and we got to try like your delicious, uh, carrot habanero and lemongrass 
um, I know hot I sauces. Think, <laughs> I think we traded lemongrass sauces, which is like so funny that <laughs> that's my favorite thing about those events. And like I tell people all the time that even when people use like similar ingredients, the things that you and I make are so completely different, which is awesome. But then it also leaves room to where I'm like, Ooh, I love their sauces. And then you can be like, Ooh, I love those sauces. And so <laughs> hey. we can like support each other, which is super awesome. Can I yeah. ask, since you're both doing lemongrass, yeah. um, lemongrass is kind of an interesting herb or spice. I don't know what you would call it, vegetable. And it's um, takes a little bit of work to use it, right? Like, yeah. don't you have to like smash it and like peel it and do all that stuff? Is that how oh, you do it, Lisa? <laughs> or do you have a secret technique? Uh, no. So we kind of like did this the hard way or are still doing it the hard way. Um, so we'd, uh, order like a case of fresh lemongrass and it's like 40 pounds and for a case. And then, um, we would actually like chop the lemongrass into sections and then like chop them down some more, uh, put them into the, um, into the oven and just like dry them, um, just to get all the water out. And then, um, we would actually put them into like a food processor, but we've actually already gone through like two food processors because like when lemongrass is hard and rigid, it's so hard. It, yeah, it like just demolished our blenders. <laughs> well, I might have a tip for you because here's what I do. What do you do? <laughs> like, what do you do? <laughs> and I don't know, this, this might help, but it might not because, you know, since you're, you need to get all the moisture out because of the oil, right? So you're making a chili oil. You need to get the moisture out. I Mm -hmm. don't really, but maybe you could dry it out after you do this. But so what we do, we get our um, lemongrass from Groundwork Organics and we can only get it one time of year. You know, they only grow it at one time. So we'll order a bunch and we take the outside out and just um, take the inside part of it. And then we'll um, bundle a bunch of those together and tie a string around it. And then I use a meat slicer and I hold the very end and just slice it super thin. I learned... I did not wow. do this for many Wait, years. Wait, where did you learn <laughs> that? I learned, <laughs> I learned how to do it from Gregory at Departure. He oh. went, um, to, I think he learned in Thailand when he went on one of his trips and he posted a picture and tagged me in it because he had been in my kitchen and knew how we did it. And so he was like, you need to do this. And that was maybe about five years ago. And so then I bought a meat slicer that we just used. Now I know why you have the meat slicer, but (laughs) you were slicing cucumbers on it. Yeah. Now I use it for pickles. So I was, I was making some sandwich slicer pickles the other day, but anyways, so Lisa, so we, we run it through the meat slicer and all the lemongrass comes out and then we um, freeze it so that we can use it all year long. And it freezes really nicely. So maybe instead of freezing it, you could dry it after that fact. And it's not hard on the meat slicer at all. Like it's, you know, it's not like with the food processor. Ah, gotcha. That's maybe really, that's (laughs) nice. (laughs) You can, you can come over and try my meat slicer out and see what you think. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That's great information. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I asked about the lemongrass because one of our students is doing a project for one of our grants and he gave an explanation of how he, you know, had to smash the lemongrass and do all this stuff. I'm like, what? That's complicated. Yeah. Complicated. It is complicated. And if you try to buy, you know, sometimes you can buy produce that's already been prepped from different companies, or you can hire companies to prep it for you. Like if you're small, um, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest, we have Pacific Coast Fruit and they'll do that for you. And you can even bring them produce from one of your farms and they'll help you with prepping. But um, for some reason with lemongrass and with ginger, all those places, I think it's because of the color. They'll always add um, oil to it. And it's usually a different kind of, like it's probably a different kind of oil than Lisa would use. Or, um, you know, for me, we don't put any oil in any of our stuff. So it just is never anything that you can get 
already done. So you kind of have to figure something out. <laughs> Maybe somebody needs to do a lin- uh, lemon, a pure lemongrass prep company. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> They'd probably make a lot of money. <laughs> Cause Ooh, it is it, so much. <laughs> I know it is a hard oh. ingredient to, to, um, to prep, but I think that's mm. why stuff made with lemongrass is so special. I think so too. I think it's really special. And, and Lisa, the, your lemongrass one is my favorite of the ones that you make. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, just that smokiness in there just, I mean, adds so much like character to it. And, um, I've actually grown up with like lemongrass in, um, I mean, well, my mom and grandma, they cook a lot with lemongrass. So I'm like very familiar with the flavors. And I mean, it's just so special to me. Yeah. Wait, you said smokiness. How do you get it smoky? Do you burn it? No, it? so it's like when we put it into the oven um, to get all that moisture out, yeah. we actually, well, there are a couple of times we actually like almost burnt it. So, <laughs> but we, we saved like pretty much everything that, we uh all the batches that we've done and then um yeah like we kind of like realized that oh this kind of gives it a nice like smoky flavor nice. and kind of like stuck with it <laughs> those, that's one of those happy accidents yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> we're like oops oh actually this is pretty good yeah. <laughs> um I wanted you to talk a little bit about the name of your company and what it translates to and where it comes from good idea yeah so um Sao Noi is actually my mom's nickname in Laotian um it literally means little girl so my mom is the youngest of her eight siblings. Eight siblings. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many cousins do you have? You must have a lot of cousins. Oh, gosh. Like, I can't really keep track because I haven't even met, like, most of them. Oh. Yeah. Um, a lot of our family is, like, I mean, we have family, like, dispersed. Uh, we have, most of them are in um, Laos. We have family in Hawaii, um, in Japan. So kind of depends where you go. So your mom, did she, uh, move here from Laos? She did, um, in the eighties. And she and had her name's rest- Marnie. Yes. <laughs> and you've met her, right, Sarah? <laughs> yes, I have. And she, <laughs> so she moved here in the eighties and did she open a restaurant? Is that right? She did. Um, so first place she moved to uh, was Maui. And uh, that was actually where she met my dad. And then Tom. they, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, they opened up a restaurant together in Maui. And that was actually where I was born. Oh. And yeah. So How Thai long restaurant. were you there? Were you there long enough to speak like you grew up there or? No way. No. <laughs> um, I was only like a year old until we moved to Oahu. Oh, okay. So you were mm-hmm. still in Hawaii though when you were. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fun. And then when did they come to the Pacific Northwest? Um, It was in the summer of 2006. So like it blows my mind how fast time flies. It's only 14 years ago. Yeah, only. <laughs> <laughs> well, so did, we, did you so you guys so your whole family moved here in 2006 mm-hmm. and and was that in um I was reading your story so that was in the like Hood River area did you move to is that right so, so um we did live in Hood River at one point but we oh, actually okay. moved to Portland first and then like we explored Hood River a little bit like during one trip and we really loved it. So we moved out there, but we're, we were kind of going back and forth. Well, I noticed a lot of your pictures of your sauce are look like they're out in the forest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was wondering if you kind of have a connection with being outside and big, the trees and wilderness and a love for nature. So the thing is, um, before we moved out to... Hood River 
Um, I never really cared too much for the outdoors. And um, I mean, just we were out there for seven years. And um, like, I kind of got to like explore more of it. And I just became or I started to appreciate the outdoors more. And I mean, that's what kind of like inspired us to take all of those shots and just like yeah <laughs> you're I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm getting nervous <laughs> you're fine <laughs> you're doing great <laughs> well the thing people can't see on the radio is your huge smile oh <laughs> <laughs> you have a really nice smile Lisa and we're glad that you're on the show with us so. oh thank you <laughs> so you started in 2015 so it's almost five years what was mm-hmm. the hardest thing that you had to do to get your business going? If you just had to pick one thing. Oh my gosh. Um, it was just like getting started. Um, so my mom um, specializes in pho, which is a Vietnamese noodle soup. And um, she decided to make chili oils to accompany that. And um like one of our employees really enjoyed her chili oils and they were like, why don't Marnie, why don't you just like sell this? And then like, that's when our gears started rolling and um, my mom and I were like, Hmm, how are we supposed to like get this started? You know, like seems like there's so much we have to do. And then uh, we didn't even know about the, um, the classes that were being offered at the food innovation center. And we jumped through so many hoops. Um, We had to get our product tested and everything. And I had no idea you had to do that at all. (laughs) I think that's sort of, that's pretty common for people that, um, especially coming from like a restaurant background or restaurant industry, because with restaurants, it's a little easier. Like you make something and people buy it. You know, the health department Mm -hmm. comes and looks at you, but that's really about it. There's not so much stuff to do. And so when people try to make that kind of jump, they realize that there is a lot that you need to do to be able to sell it, especially into grocery stores and not um, selling directly to the customer kind of changes a lot of those requirements. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not uncommon for people to not know that. I have people all the time that contact me and they're like, I make this sauce at my restaurant and everybody tells me I should bottle it and sell it. So I'm going to do it. And I'm like, well, you sh- <laughs> if you want to do it, you should do it. But it's a whole nother certification process. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's like creating a totally separate business from the one you already have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the thing is, actually, we um, started selling from our restaurant and we bottled our chili oils in mason jars but we were using fresh ingredients at the time so like fresh onions garlic chilies and then um we had our health inspector come in randomly and he was pissed (laughs) (laughs) yeah like you've got to like get these off the shelf yeah you had to file you had to file a variance and make sure you were doing the right process right Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah, that that happens too a lot that, you know, the health department, when I worked in social work, I was in charge of all the kitchens and all the group homes and it was run yeah. by the health department. And that was when I was just getting into like canning and bottling things. And the health department hates anything that's canned. Like that is the department of agriculture's world. The health department is like, get it out of here. So all those chefs that want to like have pickles that they make and sell them and stuff like that. The health department is like, absolutely not. <laughs> Unless you have, <laughs> unless you have the right certification, you can't do this. But people don't always realize that, you know. They just think, well, we make this all the time, anyways. Like, why can't? Yeah. Plus, you could it. be doing it for four months and nothing goes on, and then suddenly it's time for your inspection. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> so just to tell people what they would need to do. So if you have a sauce you're making and it's acidified, which means you're adding acid to non-acid products. You have to take a class called the Better Process Control School. Did you take that class, Sarah? Me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Elisa, did someone on your team take that class? Um, Yeah, I did. So actually, yeah, I actually had no idea that, um, well, I guess like in uh, 
different parts of the country, uh, you can take it like at different times and stuff. Yes, but yes. Um, I know there's a class in Oregon, but we missed the date for that. And so yeah. I had to fly out to Penn State. Nice. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> so you went to Penn State? That is, <laughs> that's like a whole city. I got to go to Penn State too. And I was like, oh my gosh, we think Oregon State and U of O is big. We have no idea that university is like 10 of both of those all rolled into one. That was a yeah. huge campus. And yeah. now you can you can brag about it and say that you're a Penn State student. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. The put, that, put that on your resume, girl. Did you stay at the oh, yeah. Did you stay at the Nittany Lion Inn? Yes, that's actually where I stayed. Me too. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful campus. Um I definitely uh, got to explore the gardens a little bit. And um, there was the creamery there too. Yeah, I've been there. I went on a tour. They have so many ice creams. It's super fun. So you got, you made it through the Better Process Control School and then you had to have your product approved by the process authority. Is that right? Yes. Um, So, and then we actually um, found out about the food innovation center. Um, it was, it was, I think we went to Columbia. Yeah. We went to Columbia, um, labs first. Oh, and then cause they're they, in Corbett where they yeah. were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they referred us over to the food innovation center. Nice. And then that's when we found out about the classes and we're like, Oh my gosh, this seems so much more simpler than what we had to go through. <laughs> <laughs> I would say if you seek p- help from people, it will speed up your process so fast. It'll make it so much faster. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies, we're going to take a quick break and then I want to come back and I want to talk more about how you produce things and who's involved in that process. So we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. Okay, and we're back. Thanks for taking that break with us. So Lisa, I wanted you to talk about um, who makes the sauces with you and where you make them. Yeah, so um, it's a three-woman team, actually. Um, It's my sister, my mom, and I. And uh, so my dad, Tom, actually passed away in 2013. Um, That was, yeah, it was rough, but I mean... Uh, when we had our restaurant at the time, well, we had a restaurant in Hood River and um, at the time it was like so physically demanding. And I mean, we were working like, it was like beyond overtime. Um, and then we kind of had to like get out of that lifestyle. So um, lo and behold, Salnoy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that you could take something obviously extremely tragic, like losing your father, but it can inspire you to do this business with your mom and your sister. So that's one of the things I love about your business is seeing you three, especially together and talking about the food that you can make with it, talking about you three making it together. It's just very inspiring for families to, um, you know, create something joyful that you're sharing with other people and also a way to support your family. That is so true. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And um, like what's special about this is that um, like all three of us, we came in here with like just very diff- diverse um, skill sets. So my mom, uh, she, she does the cooking mostly. And uh, my sister, she, ha- uh, she took some um, business and marketing classes at a PSU so she had that knowledge and had some connections there to help us and for me I mean I've got my customer service so yeah <laughs> I do I do notice that when you as I've only seen your mom at the booth 
at the Food Innovation Center. I think it was when you were very first starting, but I usually see you and your sister and I do notice that you do a lot of the chatting with everybody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's nice that she's there for support for you. That's kind of how it is with Dirk and I too. Like I'm usually talking to people, but I need him to be there just so I feel like supported, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the more support. (laughs) It's good to have a balance of different types of people when you're having a business. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it helps. And Lisa, I wanted to talk a little bit about our um, our Pacific Northwest hot sauce group that we have that we're a part of, because I had this interview the other day with someone from New York, and he's a woodworker, and he does this podcast where he um, interviews other makers, not necessarily woodworkers. But he was surprised by the fact that we have um, a group of people that all make hot sauces and spicy food that want to support each other. And I didn't even really think about that when I reached out to everybody and wanted us all to come together. So I was going to ask you, what did you think when I sent out that email to you asking you to come be part of this group? I was actually, I felt pretty honored. (laughs) Um, And what I love about the group is that, I mean, it's just all about community over competition. Um, and that's what I'm definitely getting from, um, I mean, just being involved in the PNW food scene. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you form these special connections with everyone in the field. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's what I was going for. And it never really entered my mind, like that somebody would see it and be like, Oh, heck no. You know? <laughs> but that's uh-huh. what he was saying. If he would have gotten that invite from somebody who would have been like, no, this is crazy, you know, but I think that it's really, I mean, we already knew, we all knew each other anyways, and we were all at the events and stuff, but I just thought, you know, we all have so much in common in that our products are all totally different, but we all understand what it's like that it's really hard to run a small business and that it's lonely and that there's questions and that you need support. And so I'm glad that people have really embraced it. And I know you're, you're active on there on like, you know, telling people different people to support and different events and things like that. So it's like exactly what was intended. So I think that it's really great to have, to have that and for us to all have that because I think we need it, especially now with things being so weird in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so weird. <sighs> I think we all need some love and support from each other for sure. We do. And um, especially, yeah, with like Black Lives Matter, um, that solidarity has just become like steel. It's amazing. Yeah. I think I'm I'm into it. And and our our house house group is so great because it's such a diverse group. And mm-hmm. um and I just love that we can find ways to support each other and stay connected because I think that's what we need in the world right now for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're part of it. And if any listeners out there want to be part, are there, there's something weird with Instagram where I can't add any more people to the group, but I'm trying to figure out ways to have a group of people that's not a Google group because I think that gives us all too many emails to go through, you know, because like with the Pacific Northwest makers, I can't keep up with those emails at all. But um, if anybody has any suggestions for how to... Um, have a connected group that's really easy like Instagram, but Instagram will only let us have like 35 people. So I don't know if anybody out, any of our listeners out there know a way for us to be connected, but send them my way. Cause I'd love to have our group grow. I mean, it would be awesome. But right now we're capped at 35. Wow. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> it won't let me add anymore. And people keep sending new people my way. And I'm like, I really want you to be part of this so much, but I have no idea how to do that. Can you do it on <laughs> Facebook? I could, except for that. A lot of people don't really use Facebook anymore, you know, or, um, I, you know, yeah, I guess that that is an option, but I want it to be easy. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> instagram is so easy you could probably do it on google docs but it would just be open documents yeah not not emails each time i don't know yeah. i'll do some research but if anybody has suggestions send them my way i'm looking for a change <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should start a new app sarah i know i was thinking about it it's the not a bad food, idea the food producer uh-huh. app yeah 
just one more thing to do in my life. (laughs) (laughs) You can do it. Well, I wanted to talk about the, um, we like to talk about packaging. So I think your packaging is beautiful for many reasons. I think it, that's a picture of your mom on it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that your mom on there? It, it is. Yeah. I love that. And it it's just so simple and pretty. And I think you did a really good job with that. But I know, I think you changed your packaging over time, right? Did you move from? Yes, I think they did too. I was yeah. yeah. Um, so the first, the very first um, labeling that we did, uh, that was actually my design. Um, it was pretty much like what I learned in Photoshop <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> and I kind of just like threw everything together. I'm like, okay, we'll just like um, go with this for now. And then um, actually we recently rebranded well it was sometime last year i met an an uncle at um under unfortunate circumstances it was a funeral and uh we started talking and i found out that he's actually a professional graphic designer based in um virginia and um yeah so yeah Yeah. and then mm mm-hmm it's always good to have a graphic designer connection. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's when you realize that they're really good at their job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did. Um, he definitely made like a lot of good points about um, the labeling. And uh, yeah, so we connected about that uh, over time. And um, we finally like changed our labels. And I mean, we've gotten so many compliments on them, too. Yeah, I think it's a, a really beautiful design and it's, I think it's a good change. And the reason I want to mention it is because sometimes um, people are afraid to make a change in their in their product or their label after they've already started because they'll think nobody will recognize their brand or, you know, all those things that go into mind. But I think this is a, a great example of how making that change, you know, was probably better for you and that it was okay to do that. You know, I just wanted to put out there to anybody that's thinking about it. it as long as you're label is better then your if the change is going to be good you know yeah <laughs> so don't <laughs> don't say, be afraid don't be afraid to make changes i'd say as soon as you put a label on a package you are you start thinking about how you would change it so sometimes it's better to just start off with a few stickers and see how it works and then up, update it on the next run keep it simple yeah. And to do really small runs of labels at first, like that's yeah. one thing that I learned because, you know, of course learned the hard way because I printed like, you know, 10,000 labels, but then I moved to a different zip code. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> what am I going to do with all these? Cause your zip code has to mas- match where you're manufacturing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'll just tell people what we had to do, which is that we had to cut out a little zip code sticker and put it on each new label. So yes. oh we could use those labels. <laughs> so you don't want to be doing that. But, um, but you know, we yeah. made it work. Nice. Learn from yeah. my mistakes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. Uh, what do you think has been the biggest challenge for um, you and your family in entering the marketplace? Because that's kind of a big um, turning point for some businesses. Ooh, um, it's definitely the marketing aspect of this whole thing. Um, just because I remember I took some courses in high school um, that were required for like business and marketing. Well, I guess they were required electives. But I was like, there's no way I'm doing like anything in marketing or business, but <laughs> here I am. Um, but it's been it's been an, a journey. So um, I've learned so much through this whole thing and um, just like being able to communicate with like uh, different buyers from new seasons, market of choice and just seeing how that process unfolds. So you're in 34 stores or more than 34 now? It's yeah, about 34 right now. Um, so we've actually had to pull back from some retailers just because it's we're s- such a small operation. It's difficult to keep up with every like with our retailers and um, we're distributing ourselves. So. I think that's a good way to do it. Have you always done your own distribution? 
Yeah. Yeah. I always recommend that people, if, if they can to do that as long as possible. Yeah. I um, mean, that's an extra 30% on your margin. Yeah. That you get to collect. Yeah. We're, we're lucky here in the Pacific Northwest because we have all these stores that support that, you know, so um, in some places, the, the natural grocery stores won't let you into the store without um, having a distributor. That's like one of their requirements. But here we have places like, you know, Zupan's, New Seasons, Market of Choice, and they understand that as a small maker, you can't do it if you have a distributor. You know, you just don't, you don't distribute enough to make enough money. So you have to do it yourself. And so we have a really understanding marketplace, which is, I think, really nice. So people like me and Lisa can do it ourselves, which is... That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think it's kind of rare for a city. So I saw that you were featured on Things to Do Portland, PDX. Us? In your, yeah, in your media, you have from 2019 that you were featured in Things to oh, Do yeah. PDX. Okay, so yeah, that was really cool. Um, that was actually a feature from... Um, Oh gosh, I don't remember his name right now. This is so bad. But uh, we met him at an event called um, New Year in the Park, which celebrates um, like the Southeast Asian New Year. And uh, yeah, so he was um, visiting Portland. I think his name is uh, something Roxamy. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Roxamy Bonking. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, he was. Um, covering the event and um it, i was interviewed in there too so it was a cute little snippet. i know you got your <laughs> smile going on over oh. in there <laughs> <laughs> well you ladies both don't know this yet but i okay. j- just wrote an article and i wrote about you both in it oh geez so um well sarah you probably know what i was doing because i was sending you messages asking you kind of strange questions <laughs> which isn't uncommon for me but um but Did it get published it, it it's going to be published so i wanted to tell oh. you both about it so um the magazine is called whalebone magazine and it's a oh. national magazine um wow. and they are doing a hot sauce in a hot, a hot sauce um themed it, it's a hot sauce themed issue so every one of their magazines is based on a certain issue so like their last one was like photography so they have people who are um you know photographers or people that have taken pictures and they do this whole thing so i wrote a story and pitched it to the magazine and i just got um a preview of it so it is going to print for sure but i talk about you both in it and um so so it and it made it to print so i know (laughs) both of your names (laughs) will be in there so you should order um one of the magazines you can go to you know whalebonemagazine.com and they they made a special hot sauce with a hot sauce company out in new york so you can order the magazine and a hot sauce which i think is really cool um but i originally contacted them to talk about our sauce aid group and then um they said that we couldn't they couldn't really do anything if we didn't pay which isn't uncommon and so we I was like well but I could write something for you about hot sauce and so then they accepted my pitch which is pretty awesome nice so I wrote one. about I wrote now about you're a magazine writer too I'm yeah. uh yep yeah I've, I've done this a few times for magazines where um you know I can't really afford advertising and so I I'm basically giving them the service of me writing something for free. Um, but then I'm put in the magazine, which is not that much different than advertising, you know? So, so I do that kind of a lot. I've been in a few um, publications, but, um, but this one, that's you ladies will gorilla, be in. Guerrilla marketing. Yep. I guess that's my style. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best kind of marketing. Yeah. I think, well, it's fun to do. And because I'm, you know, I wrote the article not about me, but I wrote it about other people in the Pacific Northwest that are doing really fun things and, and just how much work goes into a bottle of hot sauce. So I think it'll be an interesting take. So you guys can look for that article. I think you can pre-order it now and then it'll get mailed to you when it's out. 
I'm going to order yeah, it that's right awesome, away. Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love you both. And I wanted Aww. to tell people about both Aww. of you. <laughs> I have a question for Lisa. Lisa, have you ever made any cocktails with your sauces? Um, I haven't. So I, but that has been like in the back of my mind, um, just because I've had bartending experience as well. So, um, there was this, uh, cocktail that I've made. Um, so it's actually, it's called King Cobra and it's inspired by, um, by Tom Yum. Um, have you ladies had Tom Yum? It's, yeah, I think yeah. So okay, yeah. So what it has is um, uh, I use gin. There's uh lemongrass syrup, uh some lime juice, and then I actually uh put some chili peppers on the rim. So Ooh. yeah, chili flakes on the rim, and then um I'll just threw a lemongrass in there. So it's kind of oh, and then also some. A little bit of galanga as well, so kind of. What if it you dip the rim and the sauce, and then salt or sugar or sugar and salt together in the sauce? That would be good, wouldn't it? Ooh. Yeah, you know, probably the the oil would make it stick, make the um, salt stick or the sugar yeah. whatever you're going to use. I think that sounds awesome. Your drink sounds awesome too. I think next we time we have her with jazz, yeah, jazz spirits, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. They could do a collaboration. Yeah, that'd be fun. Oh. It, when we can, whenever we can have cocktail parties again. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Uh, I just wanted to send uh, customers to you directly. So, is the best way to do that to order through your website? Yeah, um, that would actually be the best way. And um, the interesting thing is, like, since. Um, since quarantine happened, we've actually been getting like a spike in online orders. I'm like, this is awesome. Cause then like I had the website all, or yeah, I had the website all set up. But when I first had it set up, I was kind of just like sitting there waiting for orders to come in. But <laughs> yeah, we've been doing good with our online orders. Oh, that's so, good. So mm -hmm. you, your sauces are for sauteing, stir frying and marinating. Can mm -hmm. you just tell us one quick recipe, one of your favorite recipes with one of your sauces that somebody could just like, if they're not familiar with your sauces, they could grab it and it would be just a delight for them to try. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm not like the cook in the house, but my favorite way to do or to use a sauce is um, just mix a little bit of uh, honey with, or just add a little bit of chili oils to honey and uh, put it over like some grilled salmon or like put it on ribs or yeah, tofu. I don't really eat meat actually, but, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, just like you're getting like the spiciness and the sweetness all together and it just like works really well together. Um, or I just like, uh-huh. I was going to say what I really like to do, and it's probably not something you would do because it's definitely not a traditional way to use it, but I um, will mix it with butter and then um, make like a compound butter. So then roll it and freeze it. And then I'll use it on, you know, corn on the cob or like veg any kind of vegetables that I've grilled, but then it gives the butter all this flavor you know so especially your lemongrass one i really like because it is making like you know if you've worked in a restaurant they'll use compound butters a lot for for different kinds of things it can be meat or veggies but that's that's probably my favorite thing that i do with it yeah yeah, yeah that sounds really nice especially <laughs> especially right now because corn on the cob is in season so yeah people can try that for sure lisa do you put your re your mom's recipes of how to use the sauces on your Facebook or Instagram? So I am still working on that. Um, yeah, I'm actually trying to like gather like as many recipes from her. Um, yeah, as I can. And I mean, she is just like amazing in the kitchen. Um, and like when I cook, it's like very simple, basic um, dishes, but I actually observe like what ingredients she adds to her cooking. And so um, 
that's how I cook. And um, I just like kind of season it my way. If it tastes good, I'll take it. Yeah. Have you thought about just taking your iPhone and video recording and making some Instagram TV so you can just talk to your mama she's cooking and explain what she's doing with the sauces? Huh. Yeah, that's actually I a would great watch idea. It. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, so um actually I I'll relay that to her. So yeah. she's a little shy, so <laughs> that would be great. I think that would be a great thing for you to do. I think so too. I think people would really enjoy it and it would help them um, feel connected to your family, which I think is a big part of your business. So um, they can't see your mom in person right now, but they can watch her cooking and then they can make those same things, which I think people would really enjoy. Yeah. Like how it's made. There's a TV show called how it's made. You could do something like that. Oh yeah. It'd be nice. Well, we, I hate to say this ladies, but we are, um, we're out of time. time. Oh (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) I always have to be the bearer of bad news at the end. (laughs) Well, (laughs) clock watchers are top notchers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for making me feel better about it. Sarah. Lisa, it was really great to have you here with us today. I'm glad that we could connect people to you and help to tell your story because I think it's a really special one. I love what you and your family are doing and I'm wishing you all the best of luck with everything. Thank you so much, Sarah and Sarah. Thanks for joining (laughs) us today. Thank you for having me. Marketed Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery store, and you can find Lisa's family sauces there. With 10 stores in Oregon, it's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious products. We have more than 1,300 teammates, including real, authentic chefs, bakers, butchers, cheesemonger, florists, and more. We all strive to create an authentic, relaxing, and enjoyable shopping experience with our customers and truly care about the communities where our teammates and our customers live and work. To find the Marketed Choice nearest you, please visit our website at www.marketedchoice.com. At Marketed Choice, we buy local so you can too. And everybody can go to Market of Choice and find Lisa's products. You can find the peanut sauce in the refrigerator section. So make sure to go there. We record Masoni and Marshall uh, live every Friday. You can catch up on past shows on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be on a show, you can send us a message at startupradionetwork.com or send us a message on Instagram under Missoni and Marshall. Until next week, thank you for joining us. Bye, everybody. Bye for now. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.